Hello, Attactioneers. Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Morrow. And I'm your host, Isaac Strongjaw. How you doing, Taylor? <laughs> Taken aback by how strong your jaw is. Oh my goodness. You right. shaved your beard off and your mustache, and now you're you're a naked jawman. And it's I, it's too much I, to handle. I have to for work. We record the intro after the interview, so I get to have a I guess that's not a callback technically because of ordering, but it is for us. <laughs> So yeah, terrible um, as it turns out, <laughs> and how the sausage is for, made for work. I unfortunately I lose some of my power, but you know, <laughs> but gain speed and like benefits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like uh, adult health, things. Health, yeah, healthcare. Yeah, dental, yeah, vision. So, you know, took my beard, gave me, you know. Slight security. 401k. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, speaking of. (laughs) Well, I wonder how Michael Hamilton would value that exchange. Hmm. Exactly. Probably. (laughs) Oh, good. You have an answer. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's probably a good exchange because the the power that comes from your beard is not quantifiable. So, you know. (laughs) We should Even have asked Michael real. Hamilton that. I know yeah. it's there. Oh. We should but, have asked him that. Yeah, he doesn't have a number. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. we interviewed Michael Hamilton this episode, and that's coming we, up later. <laughs> we did, and we're a little punchy, uh, or at least I am. I'm setting a, a punchy tone. Uh, we had a big road game uh, last night, and I didn't get home until 1 a.m., and then uh, didn't fall asleep until two. And then so only really got five hours of sleep last night. So uh, in a weird oh, nice. mood. <laughs> yeah. But, so how you are know. you? You're in the you're in the home stretch right now. Yeah. The so stressful, the stressful stretch. How's it going? Yeah. You guys pulling through? It, yeah, we're pulling through. We're doing great. So uh, last week when this podcast comes out um we beat our biggest rival in league and now have tied them uh for league and we still have each have two league games left so uh huge win uh because it puts us right in the running now for a back-to-back league titles and um if we take care of business this week and our rivals do not, uh, then we will be the outright uh, league champs, which would be pretty huge. That would be back-to-back outright. If we both take care of business and go undefeated this week, then we will share the league championship and have to have a tiebreaker game for which will determine our seeding for our county uh, tournament. And then also decide the automatic uh, playoff berth and bragging rights because it'll be the third time we meet each other, and uh, whoever wins that game will be the uh, you know the true champion of the league or whatever. So, so that's the position it, we're in. Is it St. Bernard's? 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't want to share the championship at, <laughs> at that. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, and we played uh, amazing. You know, we're playing some of our best basketball. We just had a tough road game uh, down in Petaluma. And, um, you know, it's a sign, I think, of a really great team uh, when you, like, don't play your best basketball and we have two guys injured. One of them is a starter and another guy comes off the bench and plays great minutes. And uh, we still managed to get the win and we weren't really playing that great and we're down guys. So uh, I think that was a huge kind of statement for us that we can, you know, we can get it done still in that manner. So basketball is going great. We're about to be done. Like it's, it's like in thirds, it's like everything before Christmas preseason stuff where you're figuring out who you are, what your rotation is. And then your league play comes up and it's like, emotionally charged and um dr- much more draining than the beginning part and then after league you have your your playoff season so it just keeps getting like more important <laughs> as you go on obviously uh but that's also the fun of it so uh yeah we're about to get into the 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 big time stuff so uh basketball's going great we're 15 and four, five game winning streak. Loving it. Nice. And then have Great you started uh, your fire academy class? Uh, no, I start that tomorrow. I'm like, I'm in EMT school though, and I'm about to start fire. So I played D&D today, which was pretty fun. But my like romping around doing all my favorite things fun month is about to end or has kind of ended. And I'm, you know, about to be in quite a lot of school for the next two and a half months to three and a half months or so. However, I am going to go to Baltimore to go to the pro tour. I think, I mean, I'm going to buy the plane ticket and I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) So there's like a chance I can't, but you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, sweet. Cause it's like, you regret the things you don't do, you know? And it's like, I'm at a point in my life and technically can. So I really should, cause I might have to miss out on future things. So, um, yeah, we'll just go to the pro tour and run over Roger and Michael Hamilton and, uh, take the win, <laughs> you know, just it's as simple as work. that. Yeah. You're faster now too. Cause you don't have a beard. So totally. And know. Michael Hamilton told me how to get better. So <laughs> now I'm unstoppable. <laughs> Totally. So yeah, you all have that to look forward to in our interview with Michael Hamilton. Uh, It was a great time. Uh, It was my first time really getting to talk to him and stuff. And I think it makes it easier that we both listen to each other's podcasts. So you like know the other person's vibe and stuff. So it, it was easy to just get that thing moving despite me being uh sleep deprived and kind of punchy and and that sort of thing so uh it's a totally fun interview one of our best i think yeah shout out to the manor podcast for having such good vibes over there you know totally uh yeah that definitely made it easier and i have also not really ever visited with michael hamilton the only time i like played him but he was busy killing me you know (laughs) so that wasn't very friendly (laughs) 
Thanks, Michael. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was yeah. very nice about it, which didn't make it better. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, you kind of assisted. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you could say you're part of the world championship, you know, because like without you there, he might have lost and then he wouldn't have won. You know what I mean? So. Really, yeah. he should be thanking you. <laughs> Not at all how that works, but you're, you're welcome. Uh, I guess I still don't understand how this value system works out. And that's why <laughs> I'm not world champion. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, no news, no real shout outs, except for shout out to Roger uh, from the Manor podcast. I'm, I'm gung ho now to getting Roger on the podcast. So let's make it happen. I don't know if Roger actually listens. I'm just assuming he's going to, cause his best friend is on a separate podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're good friends. And so anytime you're on a podcast, I listen to it. So I think he, Except I for think he does listen to us. So he'll be listening. What's okay. up, Roger? Oh, I do have one <laughs> bit of news or whatever um our youtube channel (laughs) which we've been putting a bit more effort into um developing and putting out videos on so go check out our youtube channel um has just hit 500 subscribers and we're going to give a playmat away to one at least one we we haven't really developed this yet uh at least (laughs) one of our subscribers um so go like and subscribe to our youtube channel and you might get a free playmat with custom artwork by Eleanor Pitera. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. If you have seen our frozen token that we uh, got made for the world championships in San Jose, uh, it's that exact artwork, but on a play mat. So it looks pretty dope. It's got our logo on there. And uh, yeah, it's just a cool play mat to have. See what I did there? <laughs> totally the best jokes are the ones you have to uh, explain <laughs> well i i just nudged you in the right direction yeah. i don't know if i if i i see it, what but... you did there get it see what I did there? <laughs> yes. yes that's what i'm talking about that's the... that's what the people are here for <laughs> yeah totally uh thor mike would be proud Nice. (laughs) Uh, One last thing before we get to the interview with Michael. Uh, If you have any questions for us, we are now fielding voice memos via email that we will play on the podcast live. So if you want to hear what you sound like on a podcast, just email us at the attack action podcast at gmail.com with your voice memo that per that uh, contains a question and we will answer it, give you our, our feedback, et cetera. So looking forward to the first one of those again, email us the attack action podcast at gmail.com. So get, get those voice memos in. We'll play those listener questions. It's going to be extra fun. Anyway, thank you for being here. Uh, like, and subscribe, consider the Patreon, uh, gets you access to the discord where you get to meet, uh, all kinds of great people. I mean, some of the, the best fans and just human beings you, uh, can interact with. We're talking the heavy hitters, Thor, Mike, Mike Popovich, 
Peyton, uh, Mitch is in there. Colin's in there. Me and Isaac are in there. Uh, who else we got that's in there? I can't even think right now. Oh, we got Jesse, freaking one of the all-time greats. Totally. Uh, Some Ice, great brewers you've listed. Yeah. They're in Ice, Ice Lexi Talishar guy. We got freaking Nate, sports nerd like myself. Uh, you know, these are, these are just some of the things you're, you're some of the people you're missing out on. So get in there, get to it, help us out, tell a friend, tell two friends. Totally. That's free. Tell a friend, sign up for four (laughs) bucks a month and uh, we'll see you over in the discord. Hell yeah. Anyway, enjoy this interview with Michael Hamilton Thanks for listening. Armory champion. Multiple <laughs> armory champion, Michael Hamilton. We I don't he doesn't go to armories. He plays D D on Monday. Mm, skirmish champion. <laughs> there you no, go. Just kidding. <laughs> World champion Michael Hamilton. All right, we're here with world champion and Indianapolis nice guy, Michael Hamilton. How are you, Michael? I'm doing good, Taylor. Thanks <laughs> thanks for having me on. Oh, anytime. If you want to drop the Roger dead weight and just be a part of the Attack Action podcast, that's fine too. Sorry, Roger. <laughs> I love Roger. I, he... He does a lot for the podcast and he's a great co-host too. So I, I don't think I will be leaving him anytime soon. At least not by my choice. <laughs> totally. Just kidding, Roger. Taylor offers that to every content creator who comes on if they want to drop their other fellow content creators and join up with us. So nothing personal. Yeah, I've uh, been lobbying a long time for Hayden Dale to just, you know, cut the cord and and get over here with the real winners (laughs) but he is as loyal as you are in his friendship and that's why we like both of you Uh (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted to start with a question uh right away just from our really good friend and uh producer uh colin he was wondering if you think him and Roger could be friends. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know Colin super well. I think I've caught him on a couple of your episodes, but I haven't definitely haven't caught all of his episodes. Um, it is a potential. I don't know. That's a question think, for Roger, not for me, I guess. I think they would. They're both charming AF, you know, they'd be best buddies. <laughs> They'd be great announcers as well. Definitely. We'll have to just have Roger on and then uh, we'll be able to ask him in person. So, so no worries there. When I asked if you wanted to come on, I was talking to Roger and I was like, I thought about asking you both on, but we kind of have a like rule of thumb where we never have like four people at the same time. because it's like too many cooks in the kitchen, you know? Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, don't worry. I'm used to it by now. (laughs) (laughs) But we will have you on 
sometime in the future, Roger. We very much appreciate your podcast. But um, today's Michael's day. So, uh, Michael, I think previous, like maybe in one of your episodes or something like that, you mentioned that you now, if I'm totally wrong, that's totally fine. We'll just edit out this bad question and move <laughs> on to a better one. But uh, that you play Dungeons and Dragons. Is that is that true? Yeah. Uh, most Monday nights I play Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh, my excuse to not go to our local armory on Monday nights. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I've, uh, my wife's really into it and we have a mutual friend that's a great dungeon master and he's been running games for us for probably a little less than a year now. So it's been really fun. I've played before, but I haven't had a group that like meets consistently Mm -hmm. in a long time. That's key. But yeah. So, okay. So what do you, so we got going on? What's your, what's your favorite character? What's your favorite recent adventure? You know, I don't know. Let's hear it. Uh, Yeah. Give us the backstory, the lore, et cetera. You know, we want it. The people are here for it. So, so right now I'm playing a Dwarven Paladin who, uh, and my wife is playing like a young rogue girl and basically my, my dwarf was friends with her parents and watched her dad die. And now he feels responsible for like taking care of her character and protecting her. And she's like a young little rogue that goes in and runs around and gets into trouble and does things that are not according to what a paladin would do. And it's, it's a kind of a wacky duo and we've been having fun adventures with those characters. <laughs> oh, very cool. Built in relationship tension. That's, that's yeah. great. Does your dwarf make, uh, like efficient exchanges or is he just a wild card? <laughs> yeah. Is this a min maxed character where you like, Oh, I got to uh, take this feat to get this extra point into my strength or wisdom or charisma paladins or charisma based. Excuse me. So, yeah, I, yeah, I am. I haven't really dove deep into five E so I don't actually like without doing a bunch of research, I wouldn't really know how to min max him. So he's almost certainly pretty far off from optimal. I knew 3.5 a lot better. That was what I played back in the day mm-hmm. before. Hell yeah. Basically this dungeon master. So this one, I'm just like, well, I don't, it doesn't matter if you really maximize your characters because the encounters are kind of tuned to the power level of the character. So if you make your character stronger, then you're just going to have stronger encounters and it all balances out. So I'm just going with the flow, having fun, really trying to embrace the role-playing part of it too. Awesome. Yeah. We had Tarek Patel on and he's a D and D uh guy also and he he started out with like oh yeah you know it's just pretty chill and then he's like well <laughs> actually you know it, we're min maxed and I'm I'm breaking the game and and <laughs> that's how we're having fun you know okay. and I'm like okay yeah that tracks so I think at like maybe the next worlds or next big event that we're all at we need a dungeon master attack action podcast is going to play in a D&D group with Tarek Patel and Michael Hamilton. So let's let's make that happen. So just <laughs> get at us on Twitter. Let's uh I'm I'm pretty excited. That sounds <laughs> awesome. I don't there's not <laughs> we'll definitely have time for that as well in the weekend. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would really love for that to happen. That sounds great. <laughs> 
Well, let's just call it our backup plan if we all like O2, you know, O2 drop, you know? Yeah, well, when we, we have we have to do something for the rest of Friday after we O2 before the calling on Saturday. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, or we'll instead of be, the battle hardened. Since Pablo O2'd and then won the whole thing, now the, the submarine's very real. Oh, that's you true. Know. Might need to wait for like 04 or something before we yeah. drop the D&D. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. I pro- 04 and I just would rather go all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, unless you have any more D&D questions, Taylor, I was going to move into... Uh, uh, yeah. No, I probably have one... I just yeah. have like 100, but people are here for the flesh and blood stuff, so it's fine. You know, go ahead. I don't know. Michael's done a lot of talking about uh, gameplay and play lines and things like that. So maybe people are here for, you know, the man behind the, you know, the miracles. I was going <laughs> to ask him about coaching, <laughs> not not flesh and blood. <laughs> um, so Taylor and I, Taylor more than me, but have both been uh, athletic coaches um, throughout our lives. And I was just interested in, since you recently started coaching in flesh and blood, like, how are you enjoying that? And is there anything like, is it a different dynamic? Are you like discovering new fun things about it? Like, tell us about your, uh, your newfound coaching career a bit. Yeah. How many wind sprints do you have each person do (laughs) before (laughs) you deem them ready? You know, what's your conditioning, strength and conditioning for this? No, uh, no sprints. It's just flesh and blood coaching. So I've, I've been liking it a lot. I've gotten to know, uh, a lot of cool people from it. Maybe a lot might be strong, but a decent amount of cool people from it. And I've built some relationships that I wouldn't have had without coaching. And I think, I guess the biggest challenge that I didn't really anticipate going into it is like, it's really important to kind of understand where each student is and not try to like teach them things that are like past where they're at basically and like kind of go back to where the level that they're ready for and like break things down at that level and help them kind of go from where they're at to understanding some like more complicated problems I guess or situations because like my coaching students are of various like skill levels and experience levels and it's like you can go from one session where someone like you're talking to like how I would like a teammate on the wolf pack that knows things pretty well. And then the next session I'm with someone who's been playing the game for two months and is trying to just like jumpstart their learning process and get better faster and learn the game quicker. Interesting. And you know, that shows, uh, I think, uh, some of the stuff you mentioned there, like meeting your students where they're at is like a, is huge. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been coaching basketball for uh, 11, 12 years, something like that. And that was like one of the big first learning curves is like, I just got to meet these kids where they're at. Like, sure, I, you know, I've played at like a really high level and stuff and and know all of this stuff. But uh, if I, you know, it'll be lost on them if they don't get the fundamentals down. So that's good. Mm -hmm. That's great. I I love to hear that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely easy. It's definitely easier to absorb and like work on a few things at a time than like 20 things at a time. So, um, 
I definitely yeah. feel that. Like if you if you're told 25 different things and then in your next game you're trying to like think about all of them, that's pretty that's pretty impossible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sweet. So speaking so so the coaching comes through uh your I think Patreon tiers and stuff for your podcast. How are you enjoying the podcasting lifestyle? I I really like podcasting. Me I think me and Roger kind of started the podcast because we'd spend hours talking about flesh and blood every week and we're like, what if we recorded some of this? What if we aired some of this? Maybe people will like it. Maybe there'll be maybe it'll help people learn and figure things out. And that's kind of how it started. And then it's kind of shifted a little bit from that where we have like more focused uh, topics a lot of the time or trying to talk about something specific to make it like more consumable, I guess. But the podcast has really taken off, especially since like nationals and worlds. It took off a lot after both of those weekends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Winning helps. <laughs> yeah. You do something and your numbers like skyrocket. So I'm sure winning the world championship is just like, you're going to be the number one podcast in flesh and blood by now. <laughs> I don't think we are, but I'm happy with where we're at. So you're right. We're number one. That was a trap. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Ha. You've been riptided. <laughs> uh, I thought that joke was better than it was. Okay. Anyway. Well, that's great. I really enjoy your podcast. I, I always listen to it like uh, day of when it pops up in my, my podcast feed. Um, and, and maybe because there's a few similarities between our podcasts, like just the, the friendship vibe between mm-hmm. you and Roger uh, is something I can relate to with my friendship with Isaac, you know. Uh, I've nowadays I feel much more like the Roger and Isaac is the Michael of our podcast, um, which is totally cool. You know, Isaac's just really good at the game, cold, calculated, and I'm charming and fun. So it's great. It's good. Dynamic. Hey, I do. I, I, I do also play more than you do. <laughs> yeah. Just currently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also really appreciate your podcast because of that. You guys have a good flavor. It's not just like stone cold analytics, but I also, I also like learn something every time I listen to an episode, which is, you know, very helpful. And, you know, there's a lot of podcasts I really enjoy, but I don't always learn something from every episode. Mm -hmm. And you guys, uh, it feels like you do your homework, you know, or like consider what you're going to discuss and like, make sure you, you know, convey your points about it. So that's, that like you know a bit of extra work put in is definitely appreciated by your audience thank you i appreciate you saying that sometimes i feel like we miss the point like i think the one that i always think back to the one that i'm like did we really do anything productive here is the tempo episode but i i think i, I do really appreciate you saying that yeah you know totally. we also did a episode on tempo have you listened to that one yeah i listened to that one a while ago, I think because it was an, it was it's an older episode, right? Yeah, like yeah, from recently before we did our kind of not great tempo episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is we nailed it, and people should listen to our tempo episode and not yours. 
I mean, you can listen to both. I would say that I think yours turned out better than ours. So I don't think I would not fight you on that one. <laughs> I think me and Isaac spent like hours during the week leading up to that, like discussing what is tempo mm-hmm. and like, you know, how to figure it out in flesh and blood and trying to like look at other games. And like, like I was playing chess to try to see the difference between uh, flesh and blood tempo and chess tempo and stuff like that. So um, I am proud of that episode. So if you haven't listened to it, I don't remember which, which number it is, but it's definitely called something like what is tempo. So go listen to that. And go listen to the Manor Podcasts episode as well. It's just a really, it seems like a really simple concept when you're just like, oh yeah, I have tempo or I got, you know, or tempo. But then once you like think about trying to explain it and how it functions with different characters, especially it, um, it gets like fairly complex, but that's what we found. So that was fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. So one of the things, one of our points of contention was like, uh, and it's, it's okay, Michael, if you don't actually have an answer, I don't need you to say I'm right or Isaac's right or either one. But, um, one of the things we thought about was like playing out an energy potion, whether that actually gives is any sort of semblance of tempo or not. And that was like one of the discussion points, uh, we had like leading up to that episode. Um, I am, Oh yeah. What is tempo episode 40? Uh, I'm unsure if we, or like that was a while ago. So I don't know where we landed once we put the podcast out. Um, but since we have the world champion here, we might as well ask you. So playing energy potion tempo, not tempo. Well, so this is in the, (laughs) this is in the context of as the world champion, I will tackle this question. Um, this is in the context of like um like crucible era reinar like claws reinar maybe or kano specifically whereas games you win you usually have an epod or two on board and games you lose you don't so um playing an energy potion at some point in the game is like making a positive step towards your win condition and puts you x degree closer to your win con versus your opponent's progress towards their win con or whatever um so i kind of thought of that as a kind of weird case but was gaining tempo because it puts you closer to your win condition even though it doesn't actually deal damage at the time and um you know taylor was well, that's I disagreed. A play, and then you gain tem- tempo later, or, or so, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? This is off books, by the way. This isn't in the notes. So here's a curveball, Michael. An easy well, I, softball, flesh and blood question. I don't know if I was ready for another tempo discussion. I still feel like I don't. I don't have a strong grasp on like what tempo is, because like when you're playing Kano, putting energy potion puts you or playing an energy potion generally puts you significantly closer to winning the game. Whereas like, it's really hard for Kano to kill you if he has no energy potions. And if he has two energy potions, suddenly like every turn, if you play your first attack with go again, it doesn't block. You're like, Oh no, am I going to die if I play another card? (laughs) So in that sense, I would say that like 
as as Kano, I guess, like playing the energy potion like gives you tempo throughout the rest of the game because your kill range is like expanded by so much from having it in play. Um so but, I guess But what if you lose the game and don't use the energy potion? You know? So that's my whole thing is like yes, it it like could be beneficial, but only if it actually is beneficial. So it's like a obviously it's an investment for the future, but playing it I don't think really gains you a lot until you have used it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess you could say it's like, I guess it's, it's like you're spending, you're kind of spending your space that you've get gotten in the game to play this or spending your life or spending some resource to play this thing that mm-hmm. at some point in the future is going to give you tempo. Or in the case of like, when you would play it against Icelander, it would like prevent her from taking tempo away from you at a later point because you have this energy potion in play. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's tempo in the bank. That was easy. We should have had you <laughs> on Tempo in time. the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but but then if you don't use it, it's it's negative or zero, I guess. Yeah. If, if you don't use it, you just like spend a card to do nothing, which I don't know. It doesn't really have a tempo effect. It's just like bad value, I guess. Like Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. <laughs> that's our episode thanks for listening um i do have a quick question before we get into more gameplay stuff i i'm dying to know and maybe i missed this episode but you guys reference your cat all the time on the manor podcast so what is your cat's name and tell us about your cat so my cat's name is misty she the reason she gets brought up is because every now and then we'll be recording an episode and she'll just like climb up on my desk and walk in front of the camera and you'll see like her tail go by in front of me. And then if she's hungry, she'll meow really loudly and that, that's about it. But she's Misty. We, she's about two years old. She's a sweet kitty. Nice. Yeah. Do your reptiles <laughs> and cat play well together? Uh, so the reptiles stay in the enclosures, but she doesn't like go for them or anything. Like when we take the turtle out to let them walk around the house or whatever, she just kind of watches them. Nice. So I'd say yes, I guess. Nice. Yeah. For those of you at home who don't know behind Michael is a whole terrarium and there's a boa constrictor crocodile. It's not a boa constrictor. Uh, <laughs> uh tyrannosaurus rex Rex. yeah 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 exactly all of those (laughs) things are are back there behind him so uh you know i think you know that's where he gains a lot of his flesh and blood power is being a master of deadly beasts as well and he knows that when he sits down across from you Uh uh-huh yes yes we're just trying to add to your legend here you know (laughs) (laughs) um all right, so uh, moving into, I have another flesh and blood question here. Sorry, I'm a little punchy. I, I was up till two in the morning, and we had a big basketball game yesterday, so I'm just, I'm a little loopy. So thank you for bearing with me, both of you. <laughs> no worries. We're just having hard segues in this episode, and that's okay. You know, just like <laughs> a lot of a lot of right turns. Um, so speaking I- of segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I wanted to say one of the best pieces of advice you mentioned on a previous episode was um, you actually assign value to cards like Channel Lake Frigid, um, which I kind of had placed outside of the realm of value. Like in my mind, it was just uh, through experience, right? Like when I play it against Briar, uh, I win more <laughs> you know and then i i when i don't see him or i block or pitch it i like lose more so it was kind of like just absorbed experience and that would dictate how i play but i thought it was interesting that you pointed out that you actually can if you put in the effort assign value to cards like that as well in terms of actually how much damage it mitigates if you look at the cards they have and what they could have played out and um i thought that that was really good advice to just kind of like take that extra bit of effort to you know to do that so this kind of leads me into my my question about um, value on cards. You guys covered value in an episode, and then you covered uh, like a bit more abstract value in Dory, Reinar, and Dromai. And I just want to kind of def- I wanted to follow up with um, asking you about how you think about uh, some of the other more abstract heroes, like you know, like Leviathans or Graveyard Filled. I mean, she gets overcosted attacks, right? Like two cards for nine damage, but it costs you X amount of cards out of your graveyard, et cetera. So filling the graveyard has X amount of value. Bolton, whether Raiden or Sabres, they each kind of have their own combos once their um, soul is filled. So filling the soul does have some degree of value. Um, or like we talked about, you know, playing an energy potion out in Kano. You know, when I'm playing Kano, it's like, you always have this choice. Like, do I like, take three more damage and like spindle them for five and strip a card? Or do I like play the discipline play and like block and play out an energy potion, which is the correct answer. Um, (laughs) So, so can you talk a little bit about like, is there a limit to um, breaking the game down as you see it? Or do you try to like, think about um, all of these different mechanics in terms of just like exchanges? So I, I would say that, all of those things are things you can assign value to. So like when you're playing Levia, I guess you should really look at it more when you're deck building for Levia, how many of these cards you put in your deck, because like there's like no cost to really put some cards in your graveyard. That's just naturally where they're going to end up as the game goes on. But the more of these cards that banish cards from your graveyard you add, the harder it is to have enough cards in your graveyard to fuel them the more likely you're going to draw an opening hand that has multiple of these cards and you can't really do anything and been there so like (laughs) 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 so you want to try to figure out how much value you're getting from these cards over like their replacements that don't require banishing a bunch of cards basically so like a lot of lovia's cards are plus one compared to like what the going rate would be so at that point, it's not worth jumping through a lot of hoops really to put a, try to put a bunch of these cards in your deck, put a bunch of extra cards in your graveyard. And that's honestly why Levy is probably not better than she is because she asks you to do this very difficult thing or a lot of this thing that's kind of difficult. And if you don't do it enough, then you start dying to your blood debt. But if you have enough to do it, then how are you getting enough cards in your graveyard? And it's just really hard to get right. And I'm not sure if the reward is there for doing all the work basically. I think, um, but you can kind of put value to it. That's kind of how you get to the conclusion that Levy is not good enough is because you like value all these things and you're getting slightly above rate for these effects. But 
on top of the slightly above thing, sometimes you're going to have the cards not work. And then in those situations, the cards are worth very little or what you can block with them. And a lot of the time you can block with them, but not always. And then you're also adding this extra risk of where if you don't banish a thing, then you're going to take a bunch of blood debt in the later parts of the game. And I would say, yes, I do attempt to put value on them, but I don't know if there's an easy explanation for how you assign a value to it. You kind of like have to put all this stuff together and sit down and like think about it all for a while, I guess. No, that's a very good point. Like you get plus one value or you get like two for six with go again, which might be plus two value later in the game. But if your opening hand of four cards only swings for six, you're getting like minus six value or something to start the game out. So that's uh that does make a lot of sense, actually. And uh, Tommy Fresh is rolling over in his grave right now. All, uh, <laughs> all this anti-Levia talk, you know. Uh, he, not, I mean, he died and now he's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, he died because he's played Levia so much and, you know, the constant heartbreak has uh, sent him to an early grave. Um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, that's also got to be like impossible to like game design also, you know what I mean? Like coming up with that must've been really hard and then (laughs) seeing it out in the wild and you're like, ah, dang, that's tough. And you know, I'm unsure what the answers are to like buff up those heroes that are like pretty far behind, I guess maybe give everybody a necklace that's what we're doing now. Give everybody, you know, Bolton's got a necklace now. So he's like, according to Roger, going to win the calling. So uh, <laughs> just Levia needs a blood debt necklace and she's good to go. Yeah. But like, it is really, it is a really interesting question. Cause if you put all the cards at like plus one power from where they are, then Levia is probably very, very, very good because instead of yeah. her cards all being like plus one up from rate, or so then now if they're all plus two then that's it's a lot of a lot of extra damage over the course of the game and suddenly having that bad turn one doesn't look like that big of a deal when you have five extra points of value additional over the five next turns of the game or something yeah you're like whatever i'll just throw these in the graveyard my next hand will in in two to four hands it'll be gas because i'll have like plenty of stuff in the graveyard and we'll get a lot of value out of that so Mm. hmm very that is a good point. I think she would be pretty broken if cards had an additional point of value because she's not really that far off and can definitely high roll. Yeah. Like <laughs> as it is or have huge turns as it is now. So yeah, it's unfortunate that she's a bit underpowered, but yeah, one more full point of value would be would definitely be too much. Yeah. Dread Screamer Army for Fresh would be seven. the bane of the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Dread Screamer for seven with Go Again would be nuts, you know? Grabbling Like because you know eight. what yeah totally followed up by that because we know what that feels like with like you know uh channel mount heroic in like e-strike you know and it comes in for freaking eight with go again like that's like super brutal you know so Mm -hmm. yeah and you could just do that a bunch yeah okay anyway (laughs) Uh, i could dive into bolton too if you want me to or but oh sure i, I love like- i loved roger's rant about bolton um you guys are gonna high five in the finals then he's gonna beat you yeah <laughs> be I, great. I, I guess 
but so Bolton's charging a soul isn't worth just, just I guess <laughs> he's so confident I'm never that confident even like I don't know I, at no point have I ever been that confident about something I feel like but what about your marriage that's that's fair that's fair I guess like uh-huh. in terms of I, I am very confident with my marriage, but in terms of like yeah. a game with so much variance and so many other people like actively not working against you, but working on things that are competing with you. So there's yeah. a lot of very smart people out there playing flesh and blood. So even yeah, if no. you have, I don't know, there's, totally. there's other people who are going to find very strong things to do also and play it very well too. So like they're on top of the variance in the game. It's just like, very hard for me to ever be that confident about something flesh and blood. Oh, totally. I agree. I've preached a lot. Like you, you know, you just have to take it one, one game at a time, one, one, one hand cycle or turn cycle at a time. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as soon as you look beyond, uh, you know, those things, then, you know, you're, asking to be tilted and uh you know you're you're a little bit too uh outcome oriented rather than just process oriented and it's uh when you play seven rounds of flesh and blood you have to be a a little bit more narrow focused (laughs) you know like i don't like to talk about my odds to like top eight or what do i have to do the next round you know it's like yeah i have to win every round I know that. So we don't need to talk about like my odds going forward or whatever. That just stresses me out. <laughs> and yeah. and like you said, you never know what's going to happen. You could get all of your bad matchups all of a sudden against your arch nemesis, you know, mm-hmm. then you're cut. Run into the prisms <laughs> playing your old time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Let's let's hear a bit about Bolton. You said yeah. you got something to say on Bolton. The people want to hear what you have to say. So let's hear it. Yeah. So so Bolton, when you charge cards, there's no like intrinsic value in charging cards. Like it's just you're spending a card, your card's going away. Maybe it's doing something like if you're playing a take flight, the fact that you charge this card is giving the take flight go again. So then whatever your turn turns into from the take flight having go again is kind of the value that you got immediately out of charging that card. So if you, if I guess, if you pitch a blue, play a take flight, charge something, and then attack with, I don't know, CNC or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, then, like, what is the best line, like, take flight in, and I mean, not the best line, but like some of the most value is like red take flight into Raiden into red valiant thrust. So, like, for a single blue or just like two resources, right? You get like plus six extra damage just for charging one card and go again twice, I guess. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting so you're getting the go again on the take flight, you're getting the three damage on the raid, and then you're getting three extra damage on the valiant thrust. And yeah. then that charge card is paying for the go again on the raid and the fact that you charge is giving the take flight go again. So but like that that hand it doesn't really matter that you charge really it's kind of like your hand turned into a four card however much damage that is four from the take flight three from the raid and seven from value thrust 14 
Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, that's the good CNC. Oh yeah, CNC would be thirteen in that spot. Yeah. So this part that it gets like more tricky is when you're saving charge cards to use on a later turn. Basically, like if you play your engulfing light and charge a card, then what's the value of this card that you charge if your engulfing right. light's just like hitting or whatever and going to soul? That also is another a whole other thing. But the cards that you charge you can kind of see what the value of them is when you actually spend them. Similar to the way I look at Ash and Dromai, a card in Soul is kind of like a resource. And whatever you do with that resource is the value that it mm-hmm. was worth. So if you end the game with three cards in Soul, those three those three cards are worthless, basically, if you die with three cards left in your Soul. But if you have just enough, enough cards in Soul to do the Lumina combo, then that last card in Soul was worth quite a bit because it was the difference between being able to fully combo or getting your combo stuff by then blocking out right so in my uh layman's example when you charge that card you get all of the value that you get off of raiden and and the go again and stuff okay got it (laughs) meet your students where they're at (laughs) taylor doesn't know about sabers so he's thinking about it in different terms (laughs) no i get so I guess all of the extra cards you've invested over the whole game are then you see if you invested like seven extra cards or whatever, how you know, and then pull off the combo, they're worth whatever you get out of that combo. Mm-hmm. Basically. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's like energy potion. If you use it, it's great. If you don't, it did nothing. Got no value. Yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. energy potion. Honestly, full, it's full very, circle. Very much the same. But how am I supposed to know if I'm gonna need an extra ash? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's where experience comes in. That's why that's why you that's why you gotta play the game, why you gotta lose some games because you didn't have enough ash at this point because you didn't save an ash to your next turn and then you couldn't play your dragon or you lose a game because you pitch too many reds to make too many ash when you could have just been blocking instead or something like that's that's all the experience where it comes in and sometimes you'll get those decisions wrong and sometimes it's like an odds thing where you'll probably need one more ash but then your next hand ends up not drawing a dragon and you kind of wish you just blocked with two cards that have made some ash the previous turn you can't right. really you can't really know that but you can build up a sample of experiences that you try to draw conclusions from and make the best decisions you can Right. Yep, and that's where the game gets difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, like speaking, so like kind of bigger picture here, right? Uh, so why like card games are flesh and blood over something like uh, chess or Starcraft or pickleball or something like that, or you know what I mean, or just even just like fi- a physical game versus a digital game, you know? Yeah. Just, just cause you like it better, or, or, or what? I mean, that that would be a valid answer too, you know. So I started with video games when I was a high schooler. I thought I was the best in the world at Super Smash Brothers, and I went to a tournament with people that actually were good at the game, and I got beat up real bad. And then I was like, dove into it. I was like, this is so cool. I want to get good. At, I want to get as good as these people are. And I found like forums and stuff and learned and eventually i started playing super smash Brothers brawl online and playing finding like good players to play against online and 
I got very competitive into that. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And then I found magic and the card game, a card game being like based only on your brain and you never lose games because you just don't have the reaction time or you don't Mm. play. Well, I guess you can lose because you don't play quickly enough. You can get a draw and that's basically a loss. But for the most part, you have like the time you need to think through your plays and it's never like your opponent's running at you. What do you do real quick? You have to figure it out. And I think that kind of like turn-based slow methodical nature of card games Mm -hmm. is kind of what drew me to them over like more active games like physical sports or even most video games. And then comparing card games to chess, chess always felt more like homework than a game. And I think even (laughs) poker is kind of similar in that matter where like you have to memorize so many things to play chess at even like a very competitive level, like even like not like grandmaster level, even like beating other people that play a lot of chess you have to like memorize so many different openings or you have to like learn a decent amount of different positions and stuff and you have to like have a lot of pattern recognition that i think you build up from learning things and i've played like some chess but not enough i'm probably saying some things that aren't exactly true i don't i don't know i'm not super deep into chess but like learning openings and stuff i got really bored trying to do that with chess mm-hmm. and In card games, it feels like it's so much more fun to just like learn your matchups. You just like jam some games and you're like, oh, this this interaction goes really badly when this happens. So how do we avoid this situation? What do we do to minimize the impact of their channel Mount Heroic or whatever? Sure. (laughs) And I think that on top of like games being, I don't know, just more fun in my opinion, there's also like a lot more individual creativity like you can't make your own deck to play chess with you're just you can like make your own opening but it's probably just going to be worse than whatever the whatever x textbook openings are whereas like in flesh and blood you make your own deck you make your own card choices you like when you put a different card in your deck than what is like the stock card then you feel the impact of that card in the game and you're like maybe it's wrong but that's like Sometimes you may, you find something that other people haven't found. Sometimes you put Finals Fighting Spirit and Wounded Bull in your Icelander deck and you have something yeah. great. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, man, that's a really great answer. Uh, and I, I feel like is maybe something that I um, maybe inherently know about my choice of playing like card games over chess or you know, uh, video games or something like that competitively, uh, but had never really put it down in those terms, I think. Cause for me, it always came down to like, I don't know, it's kind of a cooler way to hang out with your buddy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would, ra- I would rather, uh, I don't know. I don't care if I'm the white pieces or the black pieces hanging out with Isaac. I do care though, if I'm, viscerai and he's azalea you know that's like you know has been the appeal for me uh i mean i guess uh initially but but yeah the fact that it it you know there is something appealing that it's your your brain and your your brain can is always so much more capable uh than you than you give it 
you know, some credit for, I guess, or at least in my case anyway, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I just love that. Love that answer. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree because I really enjoy chess because it has no variance. So you're just outwitting your opponent, not getting lucky or unlucky, which I really appreciate. But at the same time, because it, like it only evolves at the highest level, right? It's totally solved at the many levels below that. So like you said, when you're, you know, to get creative with chess, you have to like be very, very good or both of you have to know no openings and stuff like that. Cause you know, otherwise you're just memorizing, you know, openings and counters and things like that until you get to a point where you can like express your creativity. And in a card game like flesh and blood, with new sets coming out and stuff. Yeah. There's variants and then there's imbalances. They make mistakes and stuff, but it also comes with all of that creativity where you have a brand new puzzle to solve. Um, you get to lay out all your cards and think about optimization and stuff like that, which is Mm -hmm. not the best part, (laughs) but kind of the best part. I really like that part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons I, I like the, even the sports I like, like basketball, right. Is cause it's free flowing from, from offense to defense. And, and there is like a huge realm of individual expression within that game as well. You know, like, uh, how you can maneuver your opponent into a position on the court to then like take advantage of that. They like can't see where the ball is. And so that then you can like you know, make a, a cut to the hoop to get open and, and that sort of thing. So it is one of the things I really enjoy about flesh and blood is the creative aspects of it. Cause I'm not very creative on my own. Like I don't draw or do pottery or, uh, sew or anything like that. So deck building and, and, and that sort of stuff is like where I get to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's a creative activity for us analytical types. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, my creativity is figuring out how we can get like the average value of a hand in my deck to go up by 0.1 or something. (laughs) Totally. So creative. (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of creativity, uh, this wasn't on the docket, but... I created my own little quiz for everybody. Welcome <laughs> to What Flavor Is It? Uprising Edition. Okay, so in what flavor is it? It's going to be all the questions are uh, pertaining to flavor text in the set Uprising. There's six of them. Michael, you will get to answer first on this question, then Isaac. Then once I have both of your answers, I will tell you who is right and who is wrong, and I'm keeping track of score, and it's very important whoever wins. Got it? Okay. And points totally matter. Yeah. I'm ready. 
for an unknown reason that you'll find out later in your life. So uh, is this <laughs> tempo positive or negative? Who knows? Well, you'll find out. We're banking some tempo. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> tempo in the bank. Uh, all right. First question. <clears throat> I'm going to read some flavor text and then I'm going to, it's multiple choice and you're going to tell me which answer is correct. So here we go. The dragon of metallurgy said to power the imperial furnace. Is that A, Dracana Optimi, B, Tomotai, or C, Dominia? Michael. <laughs> Dominia, C. Okay, Michael, C. Final answer, locking that in? Sure. Okay, Isaac. Uh, Optimi. <laughs> Got so a. Player. <laughs> Final answer? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you are both that. wrong. Zero points. <laughs> it is Tomotai. Because he's spewing okay. fire out of his belly. Damn it. Yep. His furnace. Just that's the okay. one I cast the most, and I was like, "Nah, I wouldn't know that." <laughs> if you're not. using the Marvel ones, they don't have the uh, flavor text. No, just out. the regos. Oh, no! Oh. <laughs> Incidental, <laughs> Isaac Dig, right there. Sorry, <laughs> got you. <laughs> all right, slow start, just like Michael Hamilton's tortoise. It's all right, though. All right, <laughs> tortoise dig. <laughs> Uh, question number two. So this is a, a, a fill in the blank situation, but it is also multiple choice. Okay. So s- stick with me here. Phi what? said this. <laughs> Phi said this quote, burn blank or burn blank. We burn blank. Okay. Is that a burn hard or burn fast, we burn forever. B, burn long or burn free, we burn now. Or C, burn bright or burn out, we burn together. Isaac, first guess. C. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Michael? Can I guess the same thing? I was going to guess C. Of course you can. No, you can't get all my points. C. (laughs) You are both correct. The quote is, we burn bright or burn out, we burn together. (sighs) Phoenix Uprising. Great job. (laughs) You you both have one point now. Okay. Nice. Things are heating up. This is fun. Okay. Uh, Bonus points for whoever can tell me what card that flavor text is on. Um, the, uh, rise from the ashes or whatever, the non-attack action that gives it plus three. Oh, that's a good choice, but wrong. Oh, I was going to guess that same one. So I'm glad that's wrong. Um, (laughs) let's do. Oh, I can't even remember the name of the card. The one that's three damage and it ruptures to deal two more damage to something. I can't even remember the name. Oh, Searing Touch. 
Yeah, that one. Searing touch. That's my guess. No, that is wrong. Sorry. Okay. No bonus points for y'all. It's Lava Vein Loyalty. Uh, that makes yeah. sense. Together. That's the head jab. The key. <laughs> you say? <laughs> that's not head jab. It's conditional head jab that blocks. Yeah, the that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, roasted by Michael <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> Bonus point for Michael. We're counting it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is my game. I'll, I make I'll take up the any rules, points baby. I can get, but... yeah. Okay, question three. How many ice wizard cards have flavor text? And which cards are they? Michael, Icelander player. The terror in Michael's eyes right now is just priceless. This is such an easy question. How many ice wizard cards have flavor text and which ones are they? Correct. Is this multiple choice? No. Okay. I will go with three and choose frosting, aether hail, and ice bolts. Okay. All three of them. Okay. Got it. Are you sure? I, I guess <laughs> that that you are Isaac questions to you. Um, I'll choose three and I'll go freezing <laughs> point, aether hail and brain freeze. Why not? Those are elemental wizard cards. So uh, <laughs> oh, wrong. <laughs> you are both wrong. It's kind of a trick question because there are zero ice wizard cards that have flavor text on them. They just say deal arcane damage. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. They have I've looked at a lot it. of frost things, but I don't know what the card says, except that it deals one damage. <laughs> That's it. That's all, That's it all it says. That's why I did another rest. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number four. Isaac, you will be guessing first on this one. How many ice cards in the set Uprising have flavor text? And which cards are they? Uh, one. Cold snap. Okay. Isaac is guessing one. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> now, now I'm thinking about all the times I've cast cold snap. I don't think it has flavor text. Dang. I don't, I'm not, I'm not confident, but I don't think he does. I'm going to go one and go Eisenhower Weathervane. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that these does. are great. These are great guesses. Uh, so you guys are partially correct. So half a point here. There is just one card in Uprising for the ice cards in its Arctic incarceration has flavor text. The other two just have a mountain of text. Okay. You gotcha. want me to... I knew that. Yeah. I knew there was a lot that of text. Fun? Is that fun? <laughs> Are we having fun yet? <laughs> I'm having right. a great time. It's two and a half to two and a half or something. I think it's one and a half to one and a half. <laughs> oh, it's cool. it, plus Michael's arbitrary bonus point. The flavor text on Arctic incarceration is Tales Be Told, the kiss of an ice nymph draws the last breath from a soul lost to the bleak expanse. Ooh. Oh, it's a sad way to go. Totally. It's a sad card. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also cool because it references another card in the set. I think that's one of the cool things about it. Okay. 
Michael, it's your guess first here. Question number five. Which card is this quote on and who said it? Now, remember, this is still in Uprising. If only they were all as pathetic as you. Would you like to hear that again? No, I got it. Uh, okay. Is this so multiple gotta, choice? Nope. You got to tell me what <laughs> card it is and who said it. <sighs> so for full points, you got to tell me both. Half points, you get one of those right. This is great. This is the best podcast I've ever done. Best quiz for sure. Everybody at home is screaming in and to the void while they're driving to work right now. <laughs> or while they're changing their like baby's diaper, you know? <laughs> okay, I can will. I hear it one more time? <laughs> yes, of course. So here's the quote. You got to tell me the card and who said it. If only they were all as pathetic as you. Uh, I feel like this is an emperor quote, but I don't know what card it would be on if it was, or if the emperor even has a quote in Uprising. <laughs> uh, so you want to say that emperor is the person quoted? Uh-huh. Okay, writing that down, then, locking that in, Emperor. I'm, I'm going to guess Uprising. I feel like that's probably not correct. I feel like these two answers don't go together. Maybe I'll get partial credit on one. <laughs> okay, good choice. Good choice. Okay, Uprising, and it is a quote from the Emperor. Isaac, your guess. Um, The card is That All You Got, and I can't okay. remember the name of the – but it's a cool name. It's like, you know – Theon Strongjaw or something. <laughs> you know, like. Okay, cool. LSS, you're allowed to steal the name Theon Strongjaw if you haven't already, <laughs> just to let you know. Do you want to lock uh, in Theon Strongjaw or you want to yes. muddle about? Okay. So no, I can't remember. Isaac, you get half the points because it is from that. Is that all you got? And it was Victor Goldmane who said oh, that. Oh, yeah. Senor Goldman. <laughs> okay, so it is now two to one point five plus an arbitrary one. We'll see if that plays out in this final question. <laughs> so <clears throat> from this text I'm about to give you, Isaac, you'll guess first, you have to name the card. So this is the flavor text that's on this card, and you're just gonna have to give me the card. Okay. The old ways are not forgotten. What card is that from Uprising? Oh, it sounds so familiar. <sighs> Maybe oh, it's a trick question. Man. It's not from Uprising. That would be mean of me. I would never do that. I'm going to guess Healing Balm. Okay, I'm writing down Healing Balm. That's a pretty good idea. I like I don't that. Think that's it, though. It's something. It's uh, over to you, Michael. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to guess scar for a scar. Ooh. Ooh, that sounds like the old ways of like dealing with your problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 
Awesome. Uh, unfortunately, you are both wrong. Michael, I'm surprised because this is Findall's fighting spirit. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I, I don't know the flavor. I, I had Scar for a Scar in my deck, too. I don't know the flavor of Tekken. And, yeah. and Frosting, Aether Hill, and Iceboat were all in my deck. Yeah, if you've noticed, there's a bit of a theme to the second half there. So... <laughs> Better at value than you are at flavor text. Well, so that does mean that Isaac is our winner. Great job, Isaac. You can lord that over Michael Hamilton for the rest of his life that you won (laughs) episode 60. What flavor is it? Thank you for playing. That was very fun putting that together. And it was like kind of hard. And I took a 10-minute power nap after I finished that quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Nice hell yeah great work all right back to the show well before we uh get into some questions from uh our discord and or Twitter. I just have one last question, Michael. Okay. Why am I not better? Tell me. <laughs> tell me now. What do I need to do to be better? I I'll got I got you, Michael. So, you sit this one out. You can sit this one out, Michael. It's because you spend too much time, Isaac, knowing flavor text and not what cards do. <laughs> Proof from the previous segment. Well. <laughs> So I guess that one's like a really hard question to answer, especially since I don't know you super well. Like I've listened to some <laughs> some of the podcasts, but basically like I think the easy answer is Slash and Blood is just like a super hard game and it's really hard to get a lot better. And the best way to get better is playing a lot of games against a lot of good players and talking with them about the game. And I like you're doing that so maybe just do it more and there you there you go <laughs> i don't know no that's fair i do not collaborate enough yeah so great coaching tip <laughs> we we know this about ourselves though isaac you're on your side of the river i'm on my side of the river and we're just like i don't know i don't play that deck seems good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Plus, if I collaborate with Taylor, how do I keep my secret spice to beat him later? You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. No way. We talk all the time. Like, if we meet in the finals yeah. of anything, we will be so proud of one another. Totally. We just don't play any of the same decks, which is not a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a One day. There's a funny story about uh, Roger was wanting to beat me in the ice inner mirror for our local pro quest. So he wasn't like talking to me about his secret tech. <laughs> and uh, nice. there's a rules interaction that is specifically the reason he played the card and it works on Talishar, but it's not actually how the rules work. <laughs> so he, he had this whole tech figured out to have an, like an ace, the ice inner mirror, but it, it, the interaction doesn't work how he thought it worked because it worked on Talishar, but it doesn't actually work that way. <laughs> Oh, and I would man. have told him if we talked about it, but <laughs> <laughs> just, 
the long con uh, <laughs> with nothing in his pocket. <laughs> Dang. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the interaction specifically is uh, he wanted to play Life from the Party for free with Crazy Brew, but if you have Frostbites, it gets reduced to zero and then you pay the Frostbite cost. But on Talishar, or at least when he was testing it on Talishar, if you had a Frostbite, you could still play it for free. So if you got Frostex comboed, but you still kept one card, you could play your life in the party and clear all the Frostbites. Mm. That's not how it works, though. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty inventive, though. Good job. Yeah. Good job, Roger. Yeah. yeah he gets a... He gets bonus points in what flavor so, is it also for that so one? He just played life of the party and died. <laughs> he, he made top four of the pro quest. So he had, oh, he had nice. three crazy Bruce, three life of the parties in his Icelander deck. So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I don't even own crazy brew. That's it's crazy that he owns three. I think he, I think he ordered them specifically for the, I'm going to stop. it gets it gets worse roger it's worse i'm sorry roger i just outed you (laughs) that's what it's about going on other people's podcasts uh speaking of other people let's get to some listener questions so um uh from from our discord uh, I'm going to skip Jesse's first one because I can't can't handle it. Uh, Jesse asks, <laughs> when brewing a new hero or new archetype, what are the strategies or game plans you look at first? What is acceptable yield for a particular matchup or matchups to lock in a list? So the main things, I guess, that I'm looking at with a new hero or a new archetype are either to have are either to have reasonably above rate turns, like I'm looking for 14 to 15 as my average damage per turn if I'm just like trying to be like an aggressive deck. If you aren't getting to that point, you're gonna fall, you're gonna be just behind five, Briar, Viscerai, Dash, whatever the current flavor of aggro is. Um, if you're looking to do something outside of that, you have to have a very compelling reason why you're trying to do that. So if you're trying to play hardcore fatigue old time, basically, then you need to be successfully fatiguing people pretty often. Even once they know that you're trying to fatigue them, you need to have like, I guess like just like play testing with it to make sure your thing is actually doing what you're trying to do. If maybe you're playing fatigue old time and the fies realize they can just activate Fi on their turn or on your turn, get back a Phoenix Slam and then go Phoenix Slam, pitch a blue, activate Fi again, play another Phoenix Slam, and they just have five damage every turn. You're never going to fatigue that if you're only fatiguing. You're just going to eventually run out of cards trying to block that out every turn. So you need to be doing something uh, powerful. I guess another example is like the Sabres combo with Bolton where you're like doing all this stuff, playing all these below rate turns, and then you sack your Courage of Blade Hold and play a bunch of Lumina Ascensions and attack for like 20 something damage and gain a bunch of life and get a bunch of cards and soul. And like, is that strong enough to make up for all those turns that you're spending a card to attack for three and charge a card? <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a good, a good question. And Roger would definitely say, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, basically looking at what you're, what the strong thing you're trying to do is build the deck to do it as well as possible, then see if that's good enough. 
Sweet. Right. Sounds All great. Right. Next, next question here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but um, how is it being uh, famous in flesh and blood? Do you enjoy it? Do you find it rewarding? Do you like the, you know, the relationships it gives you and all that? Or would you rather uh, be anonymous? I, Mike Popovich. I, sometimes when I like sit down for a game and my opponent knows me, that kind of makes me a little self-conscious. And I, I don't know them and they know me. But like like running into people in the convention center, people saying like, hey, I love your deck or I love your podcast. That stuff always feels really rewarding and makes me feel like, happy i guess loved I, I guess is a good way to put it it just it just feels nice but there is some weirdness i feel like sitting down for a match and then like also the introductions when i'm when they're like hey i'm so and so i'm like and i'm michael and they're like i know it always feels a little <laughs> bit weird all right there you go to get yourself a few percentage points in your matchup you're surely gonna lose uh just say i know who you are michael hamilton <laughs> And then don't say your name and then ask him to cut your deck and proceed on. I just want to say, I am, I am psyched that you are famous and the world champion because you're a very, you're like a very good role model, right? I like very much appreciate that you're humble and you don't shark people. And, you know, cause there's like, there's a number of those types of people around and, you know, that's, it's a competitive thing at that high of a level. It's bound to happen. But I just like, it's just very heartening to see somebody who's, you know, just a genuine, you know, person and not looking to like get things at other people's expenses or what, you know, like all the, all that, you know, shady stuff. So, so thanks for being like that and just doing better anyway. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's very kind. I, I just, I just try to be the best I can be. I don't know. And I love the game. So I want, even though I want to win, I want my opponents to have a good experience too, so that the game keeps growing. Nice. Awesome. This is a off off the cuff question here, but if LSS approached you to be on the development team, uh, do you think you would take that opportunity, or would you rather just like keep playing? Uh, so the biggest question mark for me would be would that involve moving? Because I really like my home. I think New Zealand looks lovely, but I don't know if I would be up for moving out there. And then I also do really like the game. And I also am working reasonably less than 40 hours a week right now. And I very much enjoy that. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, kind of, it, it depends a lot on the offer and what's, what's happening yeah. there, but yeah. I, I would definitely consider it. I, I love the game a lot and I would be happy to work on it if a lot of other things lined up well and I wouldn't mind stopping playing competitively to work on it. Hmm. Cool. You know, I think they have Chipotles in New Zealand, so you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But on a more serious note, uh, Colin who we mentioned earlier, shout out to Colin. Uh, what part of fab do you struggle with the most and requires the most focused attention or practice? You could also say zero, none, none parts, you know? I, I think like mentally being in a good spot for the game is really important like getting enough rest the night before so you're not like tired and just making like 
silly mistakes, just like being like you do, I do all the work beforehand. So like none of the decisions are like ridiculously challenging in the tournament. I know most of my matchups, I have a good idea of what I'm trying to do in most spots. And like, then it's just for the most part in tournaments, it's just like execution because I should know all my matchups and stuff. So like making sure I'm rested, I'm eating right and stuff at the actual tournament and being in a state where I can get all that execution and technical mechanical stuff, right. That's probably what takes the most focus, I guess. Yeah, totally. No, it's a huge part of the game. I think people overlook all all the time. So yeah, it's something I, I've stressed on our podcast as well is like tournament preparation out. That's like outside of the game, you know, is, is huge. Yeah. And to, I mean, it's all connected, right? Like your sleep, like your gut biome fuels your brain and your, you know, the chemical reactions in your body, you know, it's all like very important to maintain. Um, next question. How much does confidence knowing you've won big events help you in future events from Peyton? I'm so sorry. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Oh yeah, no worries. <laughs> Some stuff going on in the background. <laughs> How much does confidence knowing you have won big events help you in future events? So I think it does help like once you've been there once, it's like once you've been there once, it's like you're sitting down and you're like, I've done this before and there's less pressure, I guess, or maybe not less pressure. That's probably not the right way to put it, but like, it's kind of like the, something you do, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. I, I guess I would compare it to public speaking. I used to be really bad at public speaking. I'd be so like nervous and really afraid of what to say, but like, and that's how like the first round of a tournament is and the first round of the first pro tour it was. And then the first round of my first top eight was, and every time you like go to a new elevation of what you're actually doing, the nerves like come back. And then the more you've been there, the more you can like, I guess just be used to it and not be as nervous. I still definitely get nervous at the start of any tournament that I care a lot about. I, you put so much time in and working towards practicing and being ready for a big event. And then you travel really far sometimes to go play in these tournaments and it's impossible not to be nervous but having been there before having done it all before it makes it more manageable i think Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great answer uh mitch asks from our discord do you break down other parts of your life into mathematical formulas like breakfast (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i've never i've never done it with like breakfast i think the main thing i break down like that is finances even when i was like eight years old or so i was like i had to do so many chores for this five dollars if i spend would i do all these chores again to have this thing in my possession and i'm like no would i do like a third of those chores to have this in my possession (laughs) yes i would so it's worth like x dollars instead of being worth that's that's the top maximum amount i'm willing to pay for it so i've always been kind of like analytical like that nice (laughs) a good skill actually (laughs) um 
We have an anonymous question. Who is your favorite co-host on your podcast? <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> the only co-host okay. on my podcast you can say me. Roger. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> oh, Roger. Oh, good. Good choice. He's, <laughs> it's my favorite as well. <clears throat> uh, if you decided to train your cat to play uh, <laughs> flesh and blood competitively, would it have a higher constructed or limited ELO? This is from Bruno Badman on Twitter. I I think from Misty Bruno is Badman. a pretty she's pretty creative. She comes up with some like sneaky stuff. She's 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 pretty sly, I guess I'd say. I think she'd be pretty good at limited. She'd like take some pile of cards and like figure out how to get some wins with it. I <laughs> she, she also has she also has pretty good memory. Like if you feed her once at six o'clock in the morning, the next day at six o'clock, she's gonna be meowing at you. So like she'd know what's gonna wheel and pack. She'd be able to remember that really well while drafting. <laughs> nice. All right. There we go. Watch out for Misty doesn't play D D on Monday nights, so your local armory, <laughs> if it's ever a draft, is it's pretty screwed, it sounds like. Um, all right, next question. Uh, Hamish from Push the Point asks, we all choose to play the best deck or a personal deck at any major event. Do you have a particular hero that you enjoy playing, even though it might not be the best pick? I really am attached to all three ice heroes, but I think like Lexi is probably the hero that I have the most fun with, but I don't think I would take to very many competitive events because... She's really fun to play. It's really cool to do, like, especially like I was doing Death Dealer snapshot combo, and that's like not a combo you set up. Just sometimes you just like snapshot them like five times and draw a bunch of cards, and it feels sweet. <laughs> so, I think everybody all over the world has had their like Lexi snapshot Death Dealer deck and just never plays it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I've heard so many of those stories like, oh, yeah, secret deck, Lexi, snapshot, you know, and then nobody plays it. <laughs> well, it's because you do like 16 damage a turn on average and you have huge turns like that. But then, yeah, like one CNC. Just one CNC. Game. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Because yeah. all your cards don't block or block for two or whatever. Maybe maybe if CNC gets banned, though, then uh, then Lexi, she'll be, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring her out. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. There you go. <laughs> uh there's a PS in this uh, question from Hamish. He's wondering uh, which hero from Outsiders you are particularly interested in trying. So I am. I love control decks. I love slowing down the game, grinding them out. That's why I was drawn to Oldheim. That's why I played Icelander and just like the ice heroes in general. When they when assassins got spoiled and we started saying like, hey, this is a control deck that's not ice, that's really cool. I was really excited. I think Arachne didn't quite get there in just Dynasty, but I'm really excited to see what the assassins and outsiders look like and how how they work in class constructed, basically. Cause I, I really like slower games. I like control decks. So assassins are definitely something I'm interested in. Nice. Great answer. Yeah, I really I actually don't like control decks, but I'm finding I really appreciate like ice and, you know, Arachne and those type of decks in the game because it's just like a lot of interaction 
And I just like that more than like an aggro mirror or something. So even though that's not really my style of play, the fact that it forces a lot more interaction in the game and you have to think about your exchanges and stuff, um, you know, I really, really appreciate that. So maybe I am like a closet control player. Well, this is a weird revelation. <laughs> next next question (laughs) well i wanted to chip i just i'm also really excited for the assassins like uh especially arachne like i i think am a a closet mill lover and so like (laughs) getting to i don't think it's actually really that closet there's just like not a mill deck really in flesh and blood but arachne is really close and i just like being able to play like a slightly different game you know what i mean like okay keep attacking me i'm just gonna keep taking cards off the top of your deck you know what i mean and even though it's like not not that great of a, a deck even though it did win two pro quests with the same player but anyway uh i i do like that shout out to tau tau um oh i like this question uh yeah pokey fab asks who would you least like to play against in the finals of a big event who do you fear michael (laughs) (laughs) and you you can't say misty oh that would be that would be a clean answer um this one's really hard there's a lot of really good players and i think there are tons of players that I would be definitely be nervous about playing, especially if it's a matchup that's not great for me. Like, it's hard to just name one person, you know? <laughs> There's top three. Top three. Well, I feel like Fino Black has a habit of playing heroes that are good against the heroes that I like to play. So I would be pretty nervous to see him in the finals of anything because when it when we played in Indianapolis, I was very nervous. I did not expect to win that. And I was not on track to win that game for a long time. Um, and then Starvo things happened. So that was good for me. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe Fino is just the answer because I think like he's all he he's always playing like he just gravitates towards heroes that are good against the heroes I like to play. Fair enough. He's just out there Michael nice. hunting. <laughs> he's texting Roger, what's Michael playing? I'm gonna pick the opposite. <laughs> Roger would never give you up anyway, so He's, he's loyal. I think this is a, a great question from Ronnie. Shout out to Ronnie on Twitter. Um, he kind of asks all of us this. So uh, do we feel that there are less players that create decks and more that just focus on playing decks well? I feel that those that only play well are more impacted by bands while those that deck build took the bands as a challenge to build new archetypes for their heroes thoughts um i wouldn't say we can do the first part you know like more people are you know focused on gameplay rather than innovative deck building yes i feel like I feel like that is not true. I think most people are more interested in card games because they enjoy the 
elements of like making something that's their own or even just like if even it's just taking like a stock list and changing like two or three cards almost very very often you'll see people that take like a list that's done well and then they're like yeah but i put this card in because i like this card or i think it's good in this matchup or there's a lot of lexi in my area so i'm not going home or not going out there without three cncs in my deck (laughs) so i i would consider that uh that that's kind of creating decks though like if you're like tuning a deck and creating a deck that it's very very similar i'd say and i I don't think very many people are just like yeah i'm never changing any cards in any deck i'm just going to take whatever deck has done well or whatever deck is out there and just play that exact Mm ed i think a lot of people do really like brewing you know even on like on a casual level. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I get what Ronnie's getting at here too, is like, I'm unsure how many people start from ground zero, like just as a, um, you know, as an exercise or something they enjoy doing, you know, cause it does take a lot of time to start like from nothing and try to, you know, figure everything out on your own you know? So, but that's kind of the beauty of the age we live in as well is that you can get, um, some more data points and make iterations a bit quicker on things. Um, so it takes a little bit less work, but, uh, I get what he's saying, but yeah, nobody's coming in with like, you know, we don't have, um, I don't know what it is, you know, like a bunch of people, we don't have anybody really known for, it seems like, uh, they're like spicy brews that do really well, you know, competitively, you know well, what I mean? Wounded bull would have, I don't get credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, if you, you got to do it again, Michael, you know, one time. I'd, I'd say yeah. this is my third time. I think mm, I went okay. Orlando with Oldheim and, and Lightning Briar meta. And then Indianapolis, I was playing Starbo, but I didn't have Awakening or that kind of stuff. I was playing like Control Starbo. It was like reasonably different. <laughs> and then I said it's like way off the way off the wall. We got Wounded yeah. Bulls, Scars. Icelander, uh, I would wo- count. Wounded Bull is just a, it's such a meta card. It doesn't count. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, if you just like make every deck into a guardian deck, then you know that doesn't count either. This is a good call, I, actually. I had a, I had a spicy chain deck at Pro Tour New Jersey, also, but it didn't get talked about. I got seventeenth, so it. I had a. I can't even remember the card's name. The uh, two cost for five with blood debt. Void Void Wraith. I remember Void that yeah, I had deck. Three of that card. I was yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, that's really spicy. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I've been brewing. Nice. You have. You're right. And maybe people should be, including myself, considering you as a, a brew master. Don't have to go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just went on a diatribe for 20 minutes about all the decks <laughs> one, two, and twelve that you have innovated on, and now now you're trying to be all humble. Okay, fine. Michael, right. Michael is surely a brewmaster. We'll give you credit for that. <laughs> yep. Michael Crazy Brew Hamilton. That's what we're calling totally. him now. When you do stuff like that with Wounded Bull, I'm like, do I really need to paw through all of my cards again and look at all of the generic, <laughs> you know? Because I've done that like when a new set comes out, you know, I'll like, I'll like flick through 
all of my organized cards and look at every generic just to see if there's like because when you think about ideas you only have the cards that you're holding in your head at the moment or that you like Mm -hmm. consider in relation to that deck so i'll like flick through the old cards to see if there's something and then you're like oh yeah why doesn't anybody play vigor rush in rune blade or what you know or whatever it is and you like think about cards you've totally forgotten about so then when you do something like with wounded bull i'm like hmm my card is above rate. What else am I missing? You know, I'm like, do I really have to go back and look for, you know, cards that everybody is missing somehow? So great job being the one to, to find them. Nice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever flicked through paper cards, but, or like to, to go back and look, look at them all. But like, there's a lot of like good online tools that you can just go through cards pretty quickly to, to go a little bit, a little bit faster than flicking through your collection all totally yeah you caveman <laughs> i'm just an old man i also lay out my physical cards to deck build so i'm just like stuck in the past <laughs> and then you wonder you know you know you asked michael a very important question about yourself and you're now I finding the answers on your own what a great no, teacher michael is he's led you I, here <laughs> i could collaborate better but going all digital is too big of a step for me <laughs> so okay (laughs) all right Uh, well uh moving on to signature segments here at the attack action podcast we love to play many different games card games board games not just flesh and blood and uh, sometimes we'd like to share a game with you that we love might not be the best game in the world but it's one that we think that you will enjoy at home so Tonight's board game from the closet is Michael Hamilton's. Okay. So I thought about this. I have to give it to this social deception game. I've been playing for about a year. It's called blood on the clock tower. It has Mm -hmm. a very weird name. Not don't love the name. It's also like a million dollars. It's like a hundred something dollars for the copy of the game. But if you've ever played a social deception game, like werewolf or mafia or town of Salem, I think blood on the clock tower takes all of those games and fixes like in my opinion what are like basically all of the issues with that game it fixes um first everyone gets like a power role so i guess should i explain what a social deception game is sure uh yes for for people like isaac who don't know what that is yeah so so a social deception game is like a hit It's a hidden identity game. Everyone has a role that is like assigned to them. And there's usually two teams plus like sometimes there's more than two teams, but there's almost always at least two teams, like one team that is made of most of the players in the game that are like village aligned or town aligned. And all these players don't know who each other are, but they're on the same team working together. And then there are there's an other team, an evil team that is trying to kill everyone in the village. And it's much smaller than the village team, but they know who each other are. And I don't, I wouldn't say this is like inherent to social deception games, but many of them take place uh, in a, in basically two cycles. There's like a day cycle where everyone talks with each other and tries to figure out who the evil people are. And then there's a night phase or yeah, a night phase where everyone that has an ability based on their hidden role or hidden power gets to wake up at night and use their ability to do something. The evil team we usually have an ability that involves killing someone on the good team and they might have other abilities. And then the good team usually has abilities that involve like gathering information about who could be evil, who's good or protects people on the good team. 
And Blood on the Clock Tower plays in that cycle where there's some evil team, there's some evil demon and their minions, and they try to kill all the townsfolk in the village. And the villagers all have different powers to try to stop them, to try to figure out who the demon is. And the game's super fun. And it's kind of complicated, but I love it. I've been running it for my friends for a I got I got a copy in September right after Nationals. No, right before Nationals. And when I should have been practicing for Nationals, I was running Blood on the Clock Tower for a big group of my <laughs> friends for three days. So <laughs> that's awesome. great. The game's really fun. I'm sold. We'll play it right after our D&D sesh at the next uh, Big Flesh and Blood <laughs> event. Okay. Um, how, how many players does it play? What's the, so, the range? It needs one person to run the game called the storyteller and then it can run from five players to 20 players it's best in the seven to 15 range though i would say like below seven is not as good because basically you have two evil people at that point and they have to have a disadvantage because otherwise evil would be too strong so you don't actually the minion and the demon don't know who each other are but if you get to seven or more players you get to play like the full version of the game and then once you get like past like 15 it's just so many people but it does yeah. go up to 20 players. Nice. Sweet. Sounds fun. Man, we got a full booked uh, next, you know, whatever, Flesh and Blood tournament we're all at. I love it. Flesh and Blood yeah. world champion, Blood on the Clock Tower DM. <laughs> awesome. Michael Crazy Brew Hamilton. The you double know? lives of Michael Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. I had a lot of fun, and uh, I hope to have you back on soon. I know your Tyrannosaurus Rex in the background there looks hungry, um, so you <laughs> probably should uh, go capture one of your neighbors and feed them to your Tyrannosaurus Rex. So uh, we'll let you go. But if there's anything you want to say or plug or or whatever – you know, now, now is your time. Use it wisely. All right. We mentioned it earlier in the episode, but I have to shout out my podcast. It's the manor podcast. Me and Roger talk about flesh and blood. We talk mostly about strategy, but some of our podcasts aren't always that direction, but mostly strategy podcasts. Me and Roger do it every week. Comes out. I should have said that. I think it comes out Fridays. Sometimes it comes out Thursdays, but Friday is when we're set to have it out. And then a lot of the time it gets pushed out a day early. Yeah, check us out. M dash N dash R cast. Sweet. Mind your manners. Yeah. Yeah. Mind your manners. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, should people follow you on Twitter? Should they email you, Carrier Pigeon, uh, if they want to follow up on any of these questions? Uh, where can they find you? Yeah. Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me if. We are already connected through other means, but you can find me at Hades Blade on Twitter, or you can find our podcast on Twitter at. <laughs> it, it comes up if you start typing MNR. At, at MNR cast on Twitter. Nice. Nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> well, sweet. Uh, again, thank you. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, the listeners. Thanks, everybody. Hope uh, y'all enjoyed this episode. Uh, like, subscribe, etc. You know the drill. 
and uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Goodbye. Thanks, Taylor. Good night. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at BattleBroTaylor and at BattleBroIsaac. Shoot us an email, theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.